Hey, Billy. It's podcast time. You ready? Podcast time. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Their Very Best, a podcast where total amateurs make wild proclamations about the work of expert professional musicians, despite having no actual qualifications. I'm Bill Noto. And I'm Waldron Faulkner. Thanks for joining us for wild, unsolicited opinions about Booker T. Jones. Nice. So we're going to do things a little differently. We're going to try to emphasize this whole discovery mode thing. So instead of having both of us, you know, having a list of top, whatever, three songs, we're going to be a sort of tour guide or I'm going to call it cruise director versus, I don't know what the other half of that is, armchair, uh, passenger, I'm not quite sure. And then the last time we recorded, Bill, you were talking about how Martha said that we should edit out all of the indecisive stupidness, or I forget exactly how you put it, but or how she put it. The wishy-washy, oh, I don't know, stuff. <laughs> what do you think of this? I don't know. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have had similar intelligence from Mary as well. Mm. So I don't know if we should just listen to our significant others who... We should. <laughs> I don't want to speak for you, but I think I kind of can. I think that in each of our cases, maybe our significant others are just smarter than we are, and we should maybe listen to their advice. That's right. The women are smarter, and I think that's that refrain of that song is accurate. But did Mary hear that dialogue from the other episode and say, Martha's right? Like, how did that come about? No, but, but when I was like, you know, Martha thinks blah, Mary was like, yes, more of... <laughs> More Martha advice, please. <laughs> Listen to that. She didn't say false. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that Martha said to me a while back when we were talking about um, this podcast, which she was giving me advice, was that maybe we should take a single album mm-hmm. and focus on that, which is an idea we've had in the past, but instead of having it be just like you know, encapsulating the entire discussion around that album. Her idea was to take an album and then figure out sort of how the artist got there and then where it took the artist afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a good episode for that because there is one recent album that I feel is the culmination of Booker T's work. And it is much beloved in our house and by me. And it's called The Road from Memphis. I love it. That's awesome. When you told me that we were going to do Booker T. Jones. Yeah. And you told me we we're going to do this episode where, Bill, you don't have to do any homework. I couldn't help myself. I did a little bit of homework. <laughs> and I did come across this album, and it's, it's great. Like, it's, it's, I was really into it and enjoying listening to it. So uh, we're going to do a whole episode about that album. Is that the plan? No, we're going to do a whole episode about Booker T. Jones and how he got to that album. It's weird. It's the road from Memphis, but it really is the road back to Memphis. This episode could be called The Road Back to Memphis. Or The Road to The Road from Memphis. How about that? <laughs> I like that. That's The good. Road to and from The Road to Memphis. I'll stop. <laughs> Let me start us off with the one place that Booker T. Jones should be started off with, which is Green Onions. For sure. I was astonished to see that the M... The MGs, who he fronted, organized, they like a 60-year-long career of putting out music. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. It's crazy. When you think about the 1960s and you think about 
the Hammond B3 and you think about a soundtrack for something cool yeah. that is happening on screen. Totally. This is the piece of music you think about. You really have to start here. Yep. He wrote this when he was 17. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah. MGs are you going personnel? Well, I will. Yeah, I will talk personnel, and because I'm the guitarist of the two of us, uh, I have to mention Steve Cropper, who uh -huh. is still going strong at 80, and um, is really responsible for that. A lot of the guitar sound. I mean, when we think about Booker T and the MGs, it's hard to ignore the uh, Hammond B3 organ. But I mean, Cropper's guitar, and we're listening to it right here, really helps define it. You know. Yeah. There's like not like a fuzz on it. It's just like it's like an electrified guitar, but it's it's. I think they mic'd his amp, and he had his amp turned up loud, and maybe any little distortion. Unlike Hendrix, I feel like this distortion is genuine from the amp. And Booker T. Jones playing a Hammond, B Hammond M3 organ, according to the research <laughs> I just did while we were talking. I did not know that, that this was an M3. Al Jackson Jr. on the drums. This whole band was the, the house band for... Stacks. They were the house band for Stacks. Right, and they worked with like um, Wilson Pickett and Otis Redding and Albert King, the Staples Singers, a ton of acts that you know. They're sort of the Memphis version of the Detroit Funk Brothers, the Motown Funk Brothers house band. Mm -hmm. And so there are a number of pieces of music from that period that you will recognize. You know, Time is Tight, Soul Dressing. Yeah, anytime you're going to hear like an old-timey uh, Hammond B3 sound, it's going to be probably, it's going to be Booker T. Jones. Do you think it's fair to say that like you don't have the sort of organ sound you get in the 60s in like, you know, the band and the Allman Brothers, and then you don't have that instrument in Galactic and other sort of funk jam bands without having Booker T and the MGs? Like, I feel like that whole notion of groove and instrumental music comes from that, like straight out of it. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. So we're on the road to Memphis, to the road to, to Memphis from Memphis. And so after this sort of early 60s, mid 60s, late 60s period, they enter a, a period with the MGs. And, and he worked with Steve Cropper all the way through. Like it was really Booker T and Steve Cropper together with a number of others, you know, standing in for the, with the MGs over the years. I think Al Jackson Jr. was in it until he was murdered. I don't think there were like a you know bunch of drummers coming and going. No, but I mean um, that's a ten year you know or plus period uh, that ended in seventy. Was he killed in seventy five or seventy three? Like it was you know relatively early. He died October one, nineteen seventy five. Seventy five. So age thirty nine. And I wonder if that sort of triggered what I'm calling the middle years, the wandering around period, because like they released a thing in seventy seven called Universal Language. 
This is 77. It sounds like the 70s immediately with that opening riff, doesn't it? Right. Well, here's the problem. When I heard, when I saw this album and I saw the cover art for it, I was thinking, oh my God, this is going to be great. It's going to be a 70s era funk thing. That's, I like it. And, and you kind of get the feel like it's trying to get to it. It's got a disco feel, man. Yeah, well, that's... I think that if this had been four years earlier, it would have been more funk and less disco. And somebody had their hand on the knob, on the disco knob, and they... Disco was basically like funk for white people, soul for white people, right? Yep. And this band, actually, the MGs, also noteworthy being half black and half white. Like, it was one of the first integrated bands. So that's kind of noteworthy, too. Yeah, I dug into that a little bit, and I was looking for information about that and was kind of happy to see that it wasn't about that. You know, it was about that Booker T and Steve Cropper met each other, they knew people, they got people into the band. It wasn't like, hey, let's make an integrated band and make that be a thing in the early 60s, which would have been very unusual. And it was very unusual, but I mean, the thing about the band wasn't that they were integrated. And I, I kind of like that. Like, yeah. let's let this be about the music, right? But at the time, there were places where like black people couldn't play and white, you know, and so to be an integrated band meant that you were challenging that, right? Especially in the South. Like, I don't, yeah. I didn't see anything about like how that was handled. I'm sure that they had their share, but yeah, th- that wasn't, I don't know. I wish I knew more. So there's that, and it definitely has that disco-y feel. And I was totally. a little sad to hear that it was more disco than funk. Right. We can stop it. <laughs> But it led into a thing, a, a, an album called Melting Pot. Oh, yeah. It's aptly named because it definitely has a lot of different um, sounds and a lot of different genres and a lot of different feelings to it. Melting Pot is the one Booker T and the MGs CD that I own. Really? Yeah. I bought it when I was getting interested in like Galactic and I was like, well, what were they interested in? And I came across that album somewhere, a record store, I guess, and bought it. The song that we're listening to now is Chicken Pox from that album. I mean, it totally sounds like it could be a proto-Galactic song, right? Absolutely. Like 100% agree. This whole album, I don't think, stands up to the promise of this song, though. I mean, hmm. I, it's their wandering around years for a reason. You know, they're trying to, it seems like they're, not like they're trying to find a sound, but I feel like they're so accustomed being the house band for stacks of just sort of trying to adapt to whatever the situation around them is that they never like, took the time to hmm. really explore and assert who they were themselves as musicians. I mean, lack of vocals is a you know huge barrier to that. Mm-hmm. Without a lyric, you know, it's hard to... As like an organizing principle in the song. In a way, it's almost like cheating. You know, I'm going to tell you what this song is about instead of show you with the sound of it, right? <laughs> the, the, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm like, yeah, that's actually... There are other connections with Galactic, like going back and forth to being just an instrumental funk band, to having a right. front person and being a soul being backing the, band to the front person. Right. Yeah. And then later on, working in collaboration with lots of other artists. I mean, it's right. sort of is the proto-galactic path. 
so we're still on the road to the road from Memphis, right? Mm -hmm. And if we get out of the melting pot years and into the sort of solo years, in um, 2009, Booker T as a solo act released an album called Potato Hole. So it's got a, it's got songs that are covers of very popular things, which is a thing that Booker T. Jones did a lot of, especially with the Beatles. I think he had a whole, might have been Abbey Road. He was way into the Beatles. According to the little bit of research I did, it seemed like they were into each other. Right. Like John Lennon was into the, the sound of the MGs, and I think there's a little bit of a mutual admiration society between Booker T. and the MGs and the Beatles. Yeah. Is that fair? Yep. So what are we listening to right now? Right now we're listening to Booker T's version of the Andre 3000 song, Hey Ya. (laughs) I love it. I actually don't love it. (laughs) Well, I don't love it either. And, you know, there's also a... um, (laughs) For the uh, Tom Waits fanatics out there like myself... On this album, there's a version of the song Get Behind the Mule by Tom Waits. And I just think it's amazing that Booker T is covering a Tom Waits song. When you cover a song that has lyrics, especially lyrics that are well-known and loved, and then you just play you know, an organ sound in place of the lyrics, it definitely gives it a Muzak feel that uh-huh. doesn't always work. Uh-huh. Um, and this album, I don't know whether I'd classify it still as wandering around trying to find himself, you know, because, I mean, he's a, a person who's had a giant long career. By, by the year 2009, he's been doing it for 50 years, right? So, mm-hmm. or 45 years anyway. Um, so, like, it's hard to say that he's wandering around. He's doing whatever he wants is what he's doing. The problem for me with that was it's just, it just, I wish it was a little bit faster. It just. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if we're talking about covers, it does get us into the road from Memphis a little bit, finally, because I know you're a huge fan of Ms. Lauren Hill. Yeah. Right? We've got Everything is Everything covered by Booker T. Jones on this album. Yeah. And I think it suffers the same fate. Like, I mean, the song works. I, I have to disagree. Like, it might be because of how much I admire Miss Lauren Hill. I don't know. But when I heard this, I was like, oh my gosh, it's everything is everything. I was so excited. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, that's so, that's so cool. Right. Well, what's going on in the song, though, in terms of making it work or not work as a cover, just to like get into that idea? Okay, well, let me, let me maybe dive into that a little bit. Are you familiar with Bobby Gentry? I am not familiar with Bobby Gentry. Well, neither neither was I until I <laughs> tried to find out the source of another cover that this band did. And we're going to go out of the modern era, Booker T, and back to the 60s. I was out chopping cotton and my brother was baling hay. Now, you've heard this song, Ode to Billy Joe, before. It's been covered three million times. This one this here? Song. Yes. I don't, I'm not. No, I have not. Wait until you get to the chorus. Okay. And mama hollered at the back door. Y'all remember to wipe your feet. So it's a little country song by uh, artist Bobby Gentry, singer, 
songwriter right here. Today, Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Bobby T. Gentry. I'm surprised you don't recognize that chorus. I, I, it's like I've never heard this before, ever. <laughs> the theme of this episode is, I ought to know, right? I ought to know. Well... Isn't it? Or is this not you? I don't no, know. It's, it's not your... It's shame on you for not knowing. That's not the theme <laughs> that we're going for. It's, it's did you know? And so if, if you didn't know that song, that's great. But you heard the lyrics of that. It's a, I'd call it very sort of country twee mm-hmm. set of lyrics. And I, like, I haven't bothered to listen to all the lyrics, but I assume that the reason Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge was because... Jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge. Um, Bobby Gentry wouldn't be his girlfriend, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. But now listen to on the album Doing Our Thing, released in 1968 by Booker T. Jones, their version of that same song. Oh, it's so much more melancholy. Well, it feels like so much more authentic. Listen. Okay, this is sick. So, Bobby Gentry's version stays major the whole time. This one started out minor. To give you that melancholy, churchy, almost funeral sound. I was going to say like a dirge or hymnal. Yeah. Now... I am very happy with the tempo of this yeah, song. Yeah, this is your slow... F- what this about is, you? I love it. This is your slow burn right here. I'm just picturing like right. the, you know, the fuse. <laughs> so the reason we got here is because we were talking about how some of the covers don't really feel like they make it, right? Mm. It, I'd say one reason why a cover might make it is if the original just doesn't live up to its own promise. And I'd say that Bobby Gentry's version of Ode to Billy Joe, the promise of the song was not in the song itself, but in the lyrics and the act of it. Like Billy, you know, Bobby Gentry is supposed to be a pretty girl that's going to drive some guy so crazy that he's going to jump off a bridge if he can't have her. Hmm. Right. This version is not about those country, you know, Southern uh, lyrics. It's about right there. Look at that. Here's the refrain. A little little pickup. Yep. Hear the tempo changes then? It went from like halftime to regular time. And then you get a Steve Cropper. Beautiful. The rhythm went from halftime to regular time. Yeah. And the way you can hear that is just where the backbeat is. Like the backbeat's on three in the beginning. Yeah. And then when it picks up, the backbeat moves to the two and four. And so it gives the feeling of forward motion. Like the song feels like it's accelerating, but the tempo is the same. It just he shifted the backbeat, so the backbeat comes on the two and four, so it divides up the time differently. It really does feel like a tempo increase, even if the metronome 
says otherwise, right? Yeah. This is really, really wonderful. I love this in a way that I would never have loved, you know, Ode to Billy Joe uh -huh. had I heard only Bobby Gentry's version in many of the covers of it. I love how you're, you're picking songs where you feel like the cover works better or not as well as the original as a contrast. That's cool. <laughs> well, we, you Good know, <laughs> we talked about the Hendrix episode. Mm. You know, his very best was a cover that just didn't work very well. All it was was a set of lyrics. Same situation. Mm -hmm. Song is a set of lyrics. It's got a hidden, in this case, I won't call it a chorus, but a refrain mm -hmm. that does work. And in the Hendrix, you know, version, like he just sings it better and with more emotion than Dylan does. In this thing, nothing is sung. It is only played. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. I, I, it's moving. This one definitely was a candidate for his very best, maybe not, but definitely one mm -hmm. of my very favorites, right? <laughs> this the subtitle of our show. <laughs> <laughs> Their very best. Or our very favorites. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy to declare a different song his very best. And it gets us finally, finally, we're into The Road from Memphis. Okay. Okay. Now, Road from Memphis was released in 2011. I saw some video of Booker T talking about this album and what it was. And it is definitely his return to his roots aptly phrased because the backing band for this album is The Roots, mm -hmm. Questlove, etc. Mm -hmm. And um, Questlove produced either all or I think some of the album as well. Mm -hmm. And um, they won a Grammy too, didn't it? I'll look into that and say it with authority in a moment. <laughs> I love it on the south side They know how to deep fry Take it up to Ernst Mound We're well, I wouldn't be surprised if it won several Grammys on different, for, for different reasons, because by 2011, like Booker T. Jones is one of those like resurgent artists that's still doing stuff that you remember from 30, 40 years, 50 years before. And still is there doing, I would say arguably his very best work uh -huh, right, uh -huh. is, is in this album. Huh. Received a Grammy Award for Best Pop Instrumental Album. Well, it's funny that they'll call it an instrumental album because, uh, you know, like Galactic, he definitely worked with a lot of different people. Like, like I knew Booker T from Green Onion's face, but I did not know hmm. about The Road from Memphis until I discovered mm -hmm. Representing Memphis. It's a song that is not an instrumental. It's a collaboration with uh, Mike Berenger from The National and Sharon Jones from Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Matt Berninger? Berninger. What did I say? Mike Berenger? You said. <laughs> yeah, you said Mike Berenger. Matt Berninger. I feel like this song got radio play. Like, I, I, I recall hearing this one. There's that Leslie cabinet. Mmm. Um, it's got two spinning components, one for a bass and one for a treble. Hmm. 
and, and it's got multiple speeds that you can... So here you can hear it spinning really quickly. And in a minute, he'll just slow it down and it, it focuses your attention on the notes. Listen. You hear that? Oh, you'll hear a change in the vibrato? That's cool. I love it. That's so cool. That's really cool. To, to me, like the, that, that instrument, the organ, feels sort of like the drums in terms of multi-limb complexity. Yeah. And, yeah. and the, you know, modulating your vibrato and your, you know, amplification system is like another degree of it. It's sort of like a, a guitarist with his effects pedal board. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. using it as part of the performance or the wah pedal or whatever. Like it's, it's really, that's really a great, great, cat, great thing you heard. It shared. The other song that features Memphis in its title, and a lot of these things feature Memphis in different ways, but is the song Down in Memphis. Mm. Questlove sounds very funky on that drums track. And, and it's like Booker T. Jones sings on this one. Yes, that's what's interesting about it, because he never sings, or very rarely sings. Mm -hmm. So having him sing on a on a track is rare, but listen to it. Doing it in the heat, learning how to walk the beat. It's got a great voice. Laying it down again, taking it on the chin. It's just great. Heading for the darkest club down on Beale Street. Heading for the darkest club down on Beale Street. He's referencing all kinds of stuff. He, he references yeah, people that, like, if you're a Memphis person, you should know. Just like in that, there was that one Galactic song that Amos liked that's all about, like, you can't oh, be yeah. New Orleans if you don't know. You, know. you should right. know, actually. What's the name of that song? You, sh you should know. Yeah. Orange Mound. <laughs> that drum track actually, to me, sounds like Stanton Moore on All Cooped Out. Okay, so you hear like the rim clicks, the open hi-hats. Yeah. That kind of a cool groove beat. So the album is All Cooked Out with a K. It came out in 1998. It's a Stanton Moore solo album. Doing it, doing it. With um, Charlie Hunter on bass and Skerrick on saxophone. And the song Chifuncta is the first song on the album. Just play it for a minute. Sounds great. I love this. Yeah, you should check this one out. I ought to know. The other thing that I was pretty surprised to hear on this album is this ponderous slow piece called The Bronx that was written by Booker T. Jones but features Lou Reed mm -hmm. on vocals. <laughs> Don't hesitate, just leave. 
I mean, you don't get Lou Reed and Matt Berninger and like everybody else who Jim James, the Roots, <laughs> to to play on your album unless everybody loves you and wants to play with you and wants to be a part of it for sure. But I, you know, Billy, it's time. We're gonna get into. I'm gonna say it's his very best, even though. I'm not sure it is his very best. Is that the kind of... Vague stupidity. We can't be. We just have to be like, this is the very best. Well, <laughs> the reason I wonder about it is because I love this, and I wonder if it's because I should be, I should know the roots and love the roots rather than Booker T. Jones. It's called Rent Party. Uh-huh. And it is the song that is my favorite from Booker T. Jones, and I could argue, and I guess I, I'm required to argue that it is his very best. to the counterpoint guitars here. I think it's the same guitarist. If it's the Roots guitarist, it's Kirk Douglas. Uh -huh. Captain Kirk Douglas. I feel like the, there's actually a little distortion in the amplification of the organ, too. Do you hear that? This song is not missing any lyrics. Uh-huh. The only other thing I would play is to remind us that Booker T is not just a performer, right? He is also a producer. Mm -hmm. And he was the producer of one of my very favorite of all time pieces of soul music. Mm. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. Ain't no sunshine, Bill Withers. Mm -hmm. It's not warm when she's away. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. And she's always gone too long. Anytime she goes away. You know, my favorite Arguably, a lot of people's favorite part of this song is when he, when he just repeats that line, I know. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. The story that I saw was that he hadn't yet figured out the lyrics for the third verse. And he just sang this as a placeholder. And people told him, people he knew and trusted and were professionals, told him, leave it in. Leave it the way it is. And I wonder if Booker T wasn't one of those voices. Interesting. Right here. And I know, I know, I know, I know. Again, by the way, Al Jackson Jr. on drums on this song, Donald Duck Dunn on bass guitar, Booker T. Jones produced yeah, it's it. the MGs. But guess who played guitar? Uh, would it be Stephen Stills? <laughs> it would be Stephen Stills. Weird. It is weird. You were going to say false. <laughs> no, I was going to say yes. You got it. It's his house, just ain't no home. Anytime she goes away. 
Yeah, so, you know, it's decided for Booker T. Jones. It is decided by me that his very best album is The Road from Memphis, 2011. Just an amazing piece of music all the way through. It's one of those albums, you know, it's one of those album albums where you put on the album and you listen to the whole thing and yeah. you're happy we're, the whole way through. We're going to listen to it in the, in the household, I'll tell you that, because it's great. And his very best song? Mm -hmm. Rent Party. Rent Party. With, I assume, the roots backing up and just wonderful... If not today, maybe tomorrow. You know, it's the B3 performance. It's got a great backing band. It's, this is what Booker T is all about. Rent Party. Awesome. Well, thanks for introducing or reintroducing and deepening my understanding of booker t jones it was fun and i learned a lot and i hope our fans enjoyed it as much as i did <laughs> the fans our 500 the fans. apple virtual machine fans imagine <laughs> the fans bill well get in touch with us fans on twitter and instagram facebook email you can email us at contact at their very best.com we have a website which is theirverybest.com. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at their very best. And help us validate those numbers we're seeing so that we know it's real. Do get in touch, you know, at their very best at any of those, but also leave us a review. And let's be honest, it's got to be five stars. Right, for sure. Walter, is it possible for the listeners to hear some of the songs we've played on this podcast somewhere? Is that a thing? Do we do that? No, we totally do that. Listen, we've got playlists for every episode. There will definitely be a Booker T. Jones, sometimes with and sometimes without the MG's playlist. Where do you... And you can get that from our website. Oh. Right. Oh. Theirverybest.com. Yeah, people should check that out. So... Wait, 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 wait. I want you to know I'm not going to do any shenanigans here. I'm going to follow the script exactly right. Okay. All right. We're, we're going to... All right. I'm looking forward to that. We're going to do more of these. So beware. Watch out. We'll be offering more unsolicited wrong opinions in the near future. I'm Bill. And I'm Waldron. And thanks for listening to Their Very Best. Yeah.